Welcome, friend. Follow me. We're going somewhere dark, somewhere dangerous. Most people would never dare enter the place we are going. There's no telling what horrors we'll find, what terrors we'll uncover. Don't say I didn't warn you. We might discover terrible monsters lurking there. Be careful, they could follow you out. Or maybe they're already inside you. Are you afraid? Good. Now you are ready to enter the Warning Woods. A distress call came in at 1.46 a.m. from a freighter roughly 75 nautical miles off the coast of Washington. When we could not make contact with anyone on board, my unit dispatched for search and rescue. Command gathered the available data regarding the ship's intended course, what it was carrying, and how many people were on board while we geared up. I was assigned to the Hilo. We also launched a patrol boat to meet us once we had a visual and could give a precise location. The ocean looked calm that night, so nobody expected to find anything but a ship experiencing mechanical issues. It made me a little nervous that we couldn't make radio contact, but overall, I didn't expect much trouble. It only took us 30 minutes to locate the freighter, a bit of a miracle at night. It had drifted 17 miles off course, which was sort of odd but still not a major cause for alarm. It was well within the margins of an honest mistake or equipment malfunction. As we scoped out the deck with our spotlight, I radioed the ship's coordinates to the patrol boat. I warned them that the ship was tilted toward the starboard side, the first bad omen I detected. The second was only slightly more obvious, but twice as ominous. We could not find a single soul on deck. Since not one of the 20-person crew came out to flag us down, I felt something must have gone terribly wrong. I made the decision for our team to land on the distressed ship to search for survivors. Our pilot circled the ship once to see if she could find us a safe landing zone. Due to the boat's crooked angle caused by the lagging side, an open area between two stacked rows of shipping containers was the only safe bet. Unfortunately, that put us about as far from the bridge as possible. I suspected anyone we might still find on board would be there. Me and the guys would have to clear the deck and get there on our own. No sooner did we have boots on deck, then the entire ship lurched violently, spilling the three of us all over each other as we tumbled against a container. Our helo pilot instinctively pulled up. Good on her. We would need her to get off the ship again, and if she'd crashed against it, she wouldn't have been able to do us much good. The freighter eventually steadied after a minute of rocking from port to starboard on repeat. One of my guys, Leon, said, That felt like the ship just broke loose from something. We all stayed quiet, trying to imagine what on God's green earth could be big or strong enough to drag down a freight ship. I made sure everyone was okay to continue. Dodge's flashlight was cracked and not too dependable, but otherwise, we were good to go. I started leading them toward the bridge. We followed the long row of containers, examining the floor with our flashlights, looking for any signs of distress. The longer we walked, the more dreadful it felt that no one from the ship's crew came out. It felt like the floor beneath us dropped away as the starboard side sunk again. It plunged violently and crashed us all into each other again. With my ear pressed to the deck, not by choice, I heard and felt the ship groaning. The starboard side did not come back up, 
at least not right away. Whatever was holding it down threatened to tear the hull right off by the sound of it. Is there a reef out here or something? Dodge grunted. Nah, nothing like that, Leon replied. Come on, man, you know it's miles to the bottom out here. I told the guys to stay calm while we gathered ourselves once more. I, myself, wondered if perhaps the ship had run into an underwater island or something, but I didn't speculate aloud. What would have been the point other than to cause more argument? And, well, there was one other reason I didn't speak up. My island theory explained the repeated dragging, but not the sudden, jolting release we had experienced after landing. The ship should have come back up slowly, not as if... not as if it had been pushed. As we neared the bridge, I started calling out for the crew. I did not much expect to hear a response, but I didn't want anyone getting surprised by us and causing a problem either. If there was anyone around, they were hunkered down out of sight for some reason. I feared getting mistaken for whatever had spooked them. Hey, Reynolds, Leon said, and I turned back to look at him. He was pointing his light at a container with a transparent red smear that curved across the giant white letters on its side. I drew my gun and heard the others do the same. This smear was no traded paint from a loading mishap. It was unmistakably blood. I said, Keep your eyes peeled and, Dodge, watch our six. My flashlight caught another bloodstain. This one smeared two containers up from the deck, running down in fading drips. How? Leon asked. My initial fear was someone on the crew had gone insane and killed everyone else, but blood splattered 15 feet above the deck tossed a wrench into that theory. Hey, look up there, Dodge said, pointing ahead to the bridge. He was supposed to be watching our backs, but I held my tongue. He had noticed a flashing light in one of the windows three levels up. I watched for a few seconds and decided it wasn't just some piece of equipment going off. I felt pretty confident somebody up there was trying to tell us where to go. All right, I addressed the guys. We're going to go in, find whoever's signaling, and get them the hell off this ship. Hopefully they're in good enough shape to explain what happened here. Let's hurry, said Leon. I don't want to be here, man. Yeah, there's something spooky going on with this one, Dodge concurred. Hey, we're professionals, I reminded them. Let's act like it. I turned and led them toward the crooked bridge. Hey guys, Leon said. I could tell from his tone alone that he was about to spew some nonsense. You ever heard of ghost ships? I rolled my eyes but couldn't help a smirk from dimpling one corner of my mouth. Leon always had a unique way of breaking tension. Dodge said, Not now, Leon. But Leon had never cared much about what Dodge thought. I've got friends who work on fishing boats, he said. Crabbers, too. A bunch of them have seen ships on the horizon. Like, big sailboats, you know? Pirate ships. Flying the skull and crossbones and everything. Uh-huh, I said. I checked the last corner between us and the bridge. The corner was clear, but I found a wide pool of blood running across the deck toward the starboard side. The puddle looked black in the dark and crimson in my light. My stomach twisted as I inhaled, tasting iron on my tongue. This blood was fresh. Leon was still talking. 
Yeah, man, I always thought it'd be cool to see a phantom pirate ship, but now I ain't so sure. Maybe when the sun's up, you know what I'm... I pointed out the blood and said, watch your step. Just imagine, Leon continued. I couldn't believe he was still going. Some big wooden ship coming out of the dark and pulling alongside you? I was barely listening. I noticed something solid laying in the puddle of blood and thought, with horror, that it looked like a person's leg, sans foot. But it was hairless. A woman's leg? No. It had rough little bumps all over it. A bunch of ghost pirates swinging over and chasing you? Over my shoulder, I said, Leon, shut up. Bang! A sudden blast from Dodge's gun spun Leon and I around. Dodge's cracked light tumbled across the deck, blinking as it bounced. Leon lit up Dodge first, and I don't think either of us immediately believed what his flashlight revealed. I thought Dodge was dead, until I realized I could hear his muffled screams, barely audible above the sounds of the wind and waves. An octopus had wrapped its tentacles around Dodge's head and torso. Its head was on top of his face, not unlike that facehugger thing from the movie Alien. That's exactly what the octopus looked like, actually. An alien. Never before had I seen an octopus attack a person. I'd never even heard of such a thing. Dodge was kicking and flailing beneath it, but the creature was like jello. It countered his movements and absorbed his weak blows against its rubbery skin. I yelled, Get it off him! Leon and I slipped our fingers beneath the thing's body and tried to pull it off, but it held fast. It had twice as many arms as the two of us combined, and every time we tugged at one, two others would squeeze tighter. Leon switched his grip and tried to remove a single tentacle from Dodge's arm. I think he was trying to give Dodge a chance to fight with us. The tentacle came off with a gross sucking noise. Leon groaned and let go. Man, shoot this thing, he cried. If we pull it off, it's gonna kill him. I shooed Leon back, crouched low so I wouldn't be shooting down at Dodge, and fired. The creature ducked away from my first shot, then vanished with chilling speed. Leon caught it again in his light as it slipped through an impossibly small gap between two containers. Keep an eye out, I ordered as I stooped next to Dodge. I saw why Leon had warned against pulling the octopus off. Its suckers had left deep, purple marks wherever they had been in contact with Dodge's skin. Where Leon had pulled the tentacle away, Dodge's skin was broken and bleeding. But it was his face that most concerned me. I tried to act cool so Dodge wouldn't panic, but I think he knew he was in bad shape. Fun fact about octopi, a lot of them have a creepy little beak inside their mouths. Yes, a beak, like a bird's. It's tucked inside a small hole in the middle of their belly. Squids have it too. I'm giving you this little science lesson to help you understand Dodge's injuries. While attached to his face, the octopus had snapped off his nose and plucked out one of his eyes. It bit a hole through his cheek and left his upper lip hanging from a finger's width of skin. Obviously, Dodge was bleeding profusely. Leon, I shouted. Patch him up and radio for evac. Leon mumbled. This is Fubar, man. Just get the bleeding under control. I'll watch your back. Dodge tried to speak, but Leon shushed him. That flashlight was still blinking at us in the window. I wondered if whoever was up there looked as bad as Dodge. There were supposed to be 20 people on this ship's crew. 
I couldn't imagine a single octopus, even as bizarrely aggressive as the one that had attacked us, could have killed everyone on board. Was the octopus totally unrelated, or did it offer a clue to what had happened to everyone? Earlier this year, there were reports of killer whales ganging up against yachts. I'm sure you heard about it. It was all over the news. Rumor is, a whale got injured by a yacht, so others strategized and fought back. I wondered if maybe a group of octopi had figured out something similar. But that sounded about as crazy as Leon's ghost pirate theory. Leon worked on wrapping up Dodge's face with supplies from his first aid kit while I assessed our options. I had a wounded man to think of, but possibly others who needed urgent care on the bridge. Can he stand? I asked. Leon reiterated the question to Dodge. He nodded and, with much assistance from Leon, climbed to his feet. His uniform bore tattered holes everywhere the octopus had gripped him. I asked, Can you walk? Dodge limped forward and gave me a pathetic thumbs up. If he could move and the bandages held off the bleeding, we could still clear the bridge before getting off the ship. He followed me and Leon past the blood and up to the bridge door. I held it for Dodge, and Leon helped him through. I looked back at that puddle of blood and recognized the strange object laying in it now. It was a severed tentacle. Dodge stumbled and nearly fell after he got inside. It's all good, man, take it easy, Leon said. Dodge collapsed against the wall, and Leon aided him to the ground. He slid his kit off his back again, opened it, and began adding additional wraps to Dodge's wounds. Stay with him, I ordered. I'll check the other levels and radio back what I find. I'll radio for that evac, Leon replied, then added, and I'll tell him somebody's going to have to bring this ship in. By the time he stopped speaking, I was already up the first flight of stairs. On the second level, I found the first body. A woman with no eyes, nose, or lips, and whose arms and legs looked like Dodge's. I wondered if she was another victim of the same rabid octopus. I heard a voice above me rasp, Hey! Leaving the dead crew member's body behind, I returned to the stairs. I called out to the survivor, but my voice was lost in a wrenching shriek which caused me to clutch my ears. Gravity momentarily increased and flattened my body against the rough metal stairs. I banged my hip and cracked my knee pretty good on the edge of a step, but I managed to get back up when the ship steadied. Just in case of any more sudden movements, I gripped the handrail tightly. Are you alright? I called to the unknown survivor once I reached the third level. No worse, he answered. I'm behind this table here. I've been trying to signal you without anything else seeing me. I stopped cold at the top of the stairs and drew my gun again. Why, is there something up here? I asked. I don't know, he said, but there was. The man's bloody face floated up from behind an overturned table a few feet away from me. By the shocked expression in his eyes, I was surprised he could communicate at all. So transfixed was I by the voids that were his pupils, that at first I didn't notice the hand he also raised above the table's edge. The hand was torn ragged. Some of the fingers had been reduced to bone. Some were missing. I could see through his palm. 
Are there any other survivors that you know of? I moved closer, very slowly, with my finger lightly brushing the trigger. None up here, he answered. Most went overboard when we were attacked, I think. I said, Okay, sit tight for a minute while I check the other levels. He begged me not to go, but I returned to the stairs anyway. On the fourth level, in the main control room, I found another body. This one belonged to a man whose neck had been broken. It bulged out at the side. His upturned ear was missing too. Just a hole in the side of his head. When I was sure there were no more survivors on the bridge, I returned to the injured man below. On the way down, I radioed to Leon. I've got one survivor with injuries. I'll determine if I can move him and get down to you shortly. Have the helo meet us where it dropped us. Leon heard and responded. Copy that. I've got Dodge stable for now, but hurry up, all right? I found the survivor where I'd left him, looking even more shocked and paranoid than before. Okay, we're gonna go, I told him. We've got a helicopter standing by. I thought I was dead, he replied hazily. I asked his name, and he told me it was Jens. Well, Jens, can you give me an idea of what happened here? One of my guys got attacked by an octopus out there. Never seen anything like it. Jens gave me his uninjured hand so I could help him to his feet. As I supported him to climb over the table, he said, Yeah, that's what got me too. I counted at least six of those things on deck, but I might have counted some twice. Who knows? It was chaos. Why would octopuses attack your crew? Jens shrugged. It was more than just them. It started with the sharks. As we moved toward the stairs, Jens told me someone had spotted a group of hammerhead sharks circling the ship just before dark. He said a bunch of the crew were watching them when something big rammed them from below. One person who had climbed up the side to look at the sharks was launched overboard by the impact. We tossed a ring out, but those sharks ripped him apart before it even hit the water. Then they went right back to circling us. What hit you? I asked. I figured whatever hit the ship probably was the same thing that kept trying to drag it down now, but apparently not. Jens said, Humpbacks. It was a whale? I asked. He said, It was enough whales to almost tip this whole damn ship into the ocean. That's impossible. Jens shrugged. He described how, after the first time they were rammed, the crew all scrambled to the middle of the deck and began working their way toward the bridge. He said the second time they were hit, the ship didn't just lurch, but actually tipped toward the port side. It would take, what, ten whales all hitting at exactly the same time to even have a chance at tipping this thing, I said doubtfully. We fell all over each other, he said. We lost a few containers that weren't secured well enough to withstand that much force. Nobody else fell overboard right away, but a bunch of us ended up right by the side, and that's when... That's when they started coming on board. The octopi? I asked. He grunted as he nearly missed a step. We had made it to the stairs and were carefully working our way down now. Those octopuses were what came on board, but something else grabbed a bunch of the crew from the side. These giant tentacles came out of the water. While we were still getting up, I'd say six or seven of us got picked right off the deck. This was beginning to sound about as realistic as Leon's ghost pirates. What Jens was describing sounded like a kraken attack, 
like a story a grizzled, one-legged sailor would tell young people at the bar at one in the morning. But I'd seen one octopus for myself and watched what it could do. How could I doubt the rest after seeing that? So you're saying sharks, whales, octopuses, and what, a giant squid attacked this ship? Altogether? Not on their own, he said. At least, I don't think so. The attack was too coordinated. Each species had its own job to do, and I know I sound insane right now, but... He stopped when he tripped on one of the steps. I tried to help him back up, but his foot had caught on something. Our eyes met, and I saw not shock, but sheer terror behind his. His foot hadn't caught on anything. Something had caught his foot. I looked between the steps and glimpsed a dark red tentacle flexing in the shadows. I shone my light at it and illuminated an octopus that must have been twice as big as the one that had hurt Dodge. It had coiled one of its tentacles around Jens's leg multiple times. Shoot it, he screamed. Shoot it before it takes me. The octopus yanked Jens's lower half through the gap between the stairs, but that's as far as he would fit. Two more tentacles shot out from the stairs and wrapped around his shoulders and neck. The octopus looked like it was trying to force Jens between the stairs, and it was crushing him to do so. I struggled to line up a good shot, but I couldn't shoot without hitting Jens. I had to go down three steps to aim at the soulless creature. Jens howled before his voice cracked and went silent. I sighted in one of the creature's enormous black eyes and fired. I emptied my magazine into its giant sack of a head, hearing my bullets rip a dozen holes in its skin. Finally, the octopus's tentacles slithered off of Jens, and it fell away, leaving Jens's lower half hanging behind the stairs. Reynolds, you good? Leon shouted up. Then I heard him yell, Oh! as the dead monster splatted on the ground in front of him. Before answering, I checked on Jens. His limp neck looked just like the man in the control rooms. It bulged out at the side, telling me he was unequivocally dead. I'll admit, I was somewhat relieved, although disappointed I'd failed to rescue the last survivor. At least I could focus all of my attention on getting my own guys off this godforsaken ship. The survivor's gone, I shouted to Leon. I'm coming down. We gotta go. I met Leon exactly where I'd left him. We helped Dodge stand. He seemed even weaker than before. Most of the bandages on his face, including the wad and patch Leon had put over his missing eye, were saturated and dripping blood. We'd better go now, Leon said, and I nodded. We went back to the ship, scanning every which way, shining our lights up and down in each and every corner. That guy up there said they were attacked by a bunch of different things. I told Leon. Sharks? Whales? Maybe even something bigger? What the hell? Leon asked. What did he say keeps rocking the boat? He said humpbacks did it before, and that's what killed most of the people. Ain't no way a humpback could pull this thing down like that, though, said Leon. He described them ramming from below, I replied. Sounds impossible to me, but I agree, that's not what's going on now. He also said something coordinated the attack or something like that. He was going to tell me what he meant when that big one killed him. Well, let's just get out of here, Leon said. I can feel those creepy things watching me all over in here. I opened the door, and Leon dragged Dodge back onto the deck. Together, 
we supported Dodge and started pushing toward where we'd been dropped. I was trying to decide how we would get Dodge back safely when Leon shoved me down hard. What? I demanded in a harsh whisper. Peek around this crate, he said, jabbing his thumb toward the corner of the nearest container. I moved around him and peered past the corner. Draped over the rail, a large red tentacle was tasting the deck. It reminded me of my dog's tongue, the way it lazily wagged from side to side. I raised my gun next to my flashlight and slowly approached. I wanted to shoot this octopus off the ship before it became a problem for us. I made a pie wedge around the tentacle, maneuvering toward the rail so I could shoot the octopus off the hull. I hoped my light would blind it and make it an easy target, but what my light revealed was not an octopus. The creature's face looked like Davy Jones from the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, with tentacles sprouting from everywhere below the eyes. It had a tall, arrow-shaped hat, which dragged in the water below. Its entire body was a near-crimson shade of red, which helped me recognize it as a giant squid. And it wasn't alone. Before having to step back to avoid a searching tentacle, I noticed a second squid pulling itself up from the black ocean. I thought, this is their second battle in the war against this ship. It's coordinated. Something must be directing them. How else could they be working together? Our orange helo was easy to see, both due to its color and the spotlight attached to its underside. As I returned to Leon, I was glad to see the helo closing in on the front of the boat. We made it there, just as the ladder rolled down. Bring down the harness, I ordered Leon. I'll stay with Dodge until we can get him secure. He started climbing. I saw another light, this one out on the water. The patrol boat had finally caught up. The ship lurched downward again. This time it dropped to the port side. Dodge rolled over onto his face before I could stop him. I heard him crying out the whole time I was trying to steady myself. After nearly losing the battle against gravity, I finally found my balance and pushed Dodge back over. The ladder now hung at least five feet above my head. Leon looked down apologetically, but I think I saw relief in his eyes too. Then they expanded. Reynolds, he screamed. I couldn't exactly see where he was looking in the dark. I made myself small, shrinking into my torso as I searched the deck with my flashlight. I saw nothing. At first, I was relieved. Then I realized nothing included Dodge. He'd vanished. I shone my light at Leon and asked, Did you see? A heavy tentacle slapped the deck right behind my feet. I barely dodged a second one, which flew right in front of my face. A squid had climbed high enough to reach our position. I didn't need Leon to tell me what had happened to Dodge. Bring it down, I shouted, pointing frantically at the ladder. Tell the pilot to come down. I heard Leon's voice, unintelligible under the rotor's powerful wind, and the helo dropped dangerously low to allow me to grab the ladder. I lunged for it before the ship made any more sudden movements. Leon climbed to safety above me, but I hung on to the ladder as the helo moved away from the ship. I'd climbed high enough to be safe, but I wanted to hang outside to get a good view of what was happening. I counted six giant squids, 
which is incredible for a species rarely spotted in the wild. The helicopter's spotlight stayed trained near the ship, and every few seconds, I watched a hammerhead swim by. Hugging the ladder, I grabbed my radio. I said, Hey, tell the patrol boat to get out of here. These waters are too dangerous. The pilot received the message and passed it along to the boat. I finally began to climb after the patrol boat turned away from the freight ship. The spotlight caught a shark chasing it away, then turning back. As I climbed aboard the chopper, I looked down at the ocean I had been spared from. The searching spotlight briefly caught some movement under the water. I banged on the wall and shouted, Keep it there! It sort of looked like a slideshow playing in the spotlight, like watching an illuminated film strip zip by, an undefinable pattern of lightness and darkness as something the size of a small island swam away, maybe 20 feet below the surface. I made out no distinguishable features, but I'll never forget how fast it moved. That alone, even without its great size, was terrifying. I had no doubt that this impossible creature was what had coordinated the attack and what had tried to drag the ship under. The wake of its movements alone had the freight ship rocking like a rubber duck in a child's bathtub. I hauled up the ladder without even realizing it. The ship was recovered a few hours later, some 20 miles from where we left it. Families of the victims were undoubtedly informed of the tragedy shortly after. I heard there was a very brief search for survivors, but based on the limited carnage I saw, I doubted there was any chance a single person could have survived. I bet the same sharks that finished them off were the ones I saw waiting and hoping that Leon or I would fall off the ship. Maybe they ate Dodge, too. I personally visited his family to tell them what happened. I played up his role a little. He was a good guy and deserved a heroic story. Leon quit the guard and probably won't go anywhere near the ocean, or maybe any body of water, ever again. I considered following him. I have a new anxiety every time I go out now, which doesn't make me nearly as effective. I requested not to be in any sort of leadership position for the near future, because I don't want my fears driving decisions for the team. I'm still working, though, because I want to know more. I want answers about what I saw that night as we flew away from the freight ship. All these news stories about animals developing mob mentalities and whatever other nonsense have been driving me insane. They've caused everyone I work with to shut down any effort to explore reasons for the attack. They don't want us looking kooky. I understand. Sometimes I wonder if I have gone crazy. But I still remember it all so clearly. Whatever happened that night wasn't normal. It wasn't natural. And I'm terrified it's going to happen again. You made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. If you want more creepy content, follow me on Instagram at The Warning Woods. If you feel ready, meet me here next week for another journey into The Warning Woods. Thank you for listening. <laughs>